Welcome everybody to Dragon Quest FM, uh, where we talk about and obsess over Dragon Quest. I'm BJ. And I'm Austin. And we are going to continue talking about Dragon Quest Monsters today. Uh, we've been able to play a little bit more of it over the course of the last week. And what do you think about it so far? You've beaten it now, right? Are you in post-game stuff, or did you uh, kind of hold off on the uh, ending part of it to continue like just going around before you got credits. I beat it, um, but I am I'm in post game. I don't want to talk about it because Square Enix not like uh, like officially like on the social media accounts like Dragon Quest and like Yuji Hori and everybody told people that yeah. they wanted uh, they asked that fans keep spoilers out until after January thirty first about the post game content. Oh, wow. So I've been really, I really, so I don't want to talk about it too much, but yeah, I did, in terms of the main story of the game, um, beat the game and uh, actually beat it after, I think after we recorded last week's episode, I, I beat it pretty quickly after that and uh, and did my review and everything for it. You've actually got to play the game quite a bit more now than you had since we recorded last yeah. week. So how, how do you like it now that you're in unknown territory? I really, really like it. Um, I really like the uh, first dungeon. I spent way more time in it than I should have where you're going and rescuing the uh, rat child. And I really enjoyed uh, going through that because I spend an inordinate amount of time catching and synthesizing monsters. And I know at this level that it's better to just go forward and uh, play with what I've got, move through the story a little bit, and there will be more interesting monsters later. But I'm really having that kind of Pokemon feeling that I need to get all of them. I need to get all of them in my Monsterpedia. And so I'm collecting and synthesizing a lot. But the thing is, I'm having a really good time doing it. That uh, I don't feel like I'm missing out by being slow going through the main story, but I've uh, I'm really really enjoying this game. Actually, a lot more than I thought I would. Uh, if I'm being honest, I knew I was going to enjoy it, but I didn't think it was going to like uh, like you said last time. Just kind of lose time while you're uh, synthesizing and doing everything. Uh, time really did just get away from me a couple of a uh, couple of different sessions, and I'm like I have to go do something else i have to actually do something uh but i'm i'm very much enjoying it so you beat it and one of the things i'm curious about because we're still going to try to avoid major spoilers but i'm really curious on how overall the story played out because you had mentioned last time that the Molosseum and the actual like cups that you were going through the 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 grade f and grade g i think category g i can't remember now the term but uh all of the tournaments felt a little uh superfluous that they didn't necessarily feel like they were necessary to the game itself to the story did that change as you went through the game or does it tend to uh, even out a little bit more where they are more integrated the like rank e rank f all that kind of stuff yeah, rank, that's the word I was looking for. None of them really matter to me. Like, um, And you do have to beat like at different story points. Like, uh, they'll, like Fergil will pop up and be like, hey, there's a yep. contest going on and different things like that. They're, they also usually 
um, had them far enough in advance that I would just go and end up like, like when D and C became available, for instance, like you would go and do D rank D fights. And I was like, eh, I'm strong enough. I think I'll go ahead and do rank C. And so, right. I, I never got the Virgil notifications for that. So I'm not sure if like, oh. if I, I don't know if I had reached, if I reached a certain part of the story, if Virgil or somebody would have popped up and been like, Hey, you got to go take on these, these fights because minor spoiler here, but, uh, because sometimes like the rewards and stuff for doing them are different pieces of, of travel light. So you are required at different oh, times yeah. to go through and get and win those. And for those of you listening, travel lights, one of the things that you use to travel to different areas of the game, to new zones and new parts of the world. So they're absolutely necessary to, to play. Yeah. And so, I don't like. I assume if I had gotten to a certain story beat and hadn't done those, hadn't done like the rank D, rank C fight already or whatever, that Virgil or somebody would have popped up and been like, "Hey, you must do this or whatever first. Right. Because I went back there often enough just to check it out. Like I, I, I guess I progressed through those those competitions um, far enough in advance that it was that he only popped up like maybe twice for me. Okay. But yeah, I, it's not that they're bad. It's not that I, I hate them. It's just, I said this, I think in my review that if it's not that they're bad and I get it, it's a Dragon Quest monsters game. So you kind of have to have those kind of like monster battles like that. But mm-hmm. if the game had just been sorrow scouting monsters and exploring and playing through the actual story of the dark prince and doing all that stuff and fighting the bosses with your party and things like mm-hmm. that. Like that would have been the game for me and it wouldn't have changed the way I felt about the game at all. Like if you had just cut those fights out, the rank, the mausoleum and Colosseum fights, like the game would have still been the same to me. Like I, like I didn't feel like oh, they were yeah. a necessary part other than the fact that they're just a part of monster games and so had to be included here. Yeah. And I've seen that that turn that kind of thing a lot lately in like RPG stuff. I don't know if you've paid attention to like tabletop RPG. Uh, I don't know how much you've paid attention to like the Kickstarters and stuff going on, but there's a lot of people talking about these things that games as they come out, new games and new additions and versions are beholden to the sacred cows of previous editions uh, where like the like in D&D, the six stats, the six ability scores where, you know, you have an 18 in intelligence and it doesn't do anything. It, what actually matters is that the plus four modifier which is kind of where they've moved to in like Morkborg uh, and like that, where you only have the modifier. And uh, that's kind of the way that this feels is that those monster battles are one of those sacred cows that you keep in the monsters games because they've been in the monsters games uh, rather than them actually fitting with the, the current way that they, they are, I guess the current gameplay loop that uh, has been improved. I mean, the monster battles were fine, but I felt like generally, and again, play styles, it's going to vary. But for me, it was like, I always felt like whatever my party was, whenever I got to one of those fights in the Coliseum or Molosseum, I was powerful enough that I really could just turn on auto battle. I had fast and auto battle Mm -hmm. on, and I would just kind of like take a break or sometimes like because the kids wanted to play, like I would... I would let the kids hold, oh, the, yeah. hold the switch and watch it if we were playing handheld and stuff. Whereas, like, the Coliseum and Mausoleum was kind of just, like, my time to zone out. Like, I felt like 
very rarely did I ever have to use strategy. And I mean, obviously it does get harder the higher up in ranks you go, uh, but right. it was never like, like comparatively part that I was at in the story, like I would have a harder time. The boss fights were more challenging than whatever the like Colosseum or mausoleum equivalent was at that same time. Like, yeah. uh, like it always just felt much harder doing the boss and main story stuff. And I know we're going to save story spoilers for a later date, but like I, I've seen in the week since we recorded last, I've seen a lot of other reviews have come out now and are people mm. just playing it, you know, in general. And I feel like there's a lot of people who are talking about how there's like no story. And that really irks me because I don't know if people just didn't play, play it all the way through or didn't play it to a certain point because I felt like right. I felt like the story was really solid. I know it's hard to be getting on this high horse right now when we can't talk spoilers, but <laughs> yeah, just take our word for it, though, y'all. Especially as someone who I mean, I love Dragon Quest Four. That's probably my second favorite Dragon Quest game. And once right. it once it really starts leaning into that, there's a point. A very minor spoiler here. There's a point. I think it's after the lower echelon stuff. After you go through all the lower echelons. Okay. There's a point in there where it really hits home a lot more about how much it's tied to Dragon Quest IV. And again, like I said last week, if you haven't played DQ IV, it's fine. You can still enjoy this game. It's just that if you played Dragon Quest IV, there's a lot of good stuff in here to to enjoy. And But after that, after you get past all the lower echelon stuff, I feel like the game takes a turn. And then right. throughout the uh, like middle, upper echelons, things like that, Anyway, it gets good, and there is definitely a story, and I completely do not understand the criticism that Dragon Quest Monsters doesn't have a has a paper thin story or whatever. Because I mean, yeah, it's like nobody. I said this in my review too. Like nobody in their right mind is going to compare the story here to like the story in a, of a mainline game. Well, of course. But for a spinoff and like a monsters game, like the story here is really good. I mean, it's very, it's. Kind of like with uh, with Builders 2 and Malroth, you know? I, I said at one point that I, mm-hmm. that I hoped that this was kind of like Sorrow and DQ4, what Malroth and Builders 2 was. And like I feel like this right. one's even more so, like just because of the, the parallels and the connections to DQ4 and stuff where you're getting to see all this stuff happen. And there's moments that like, if you, if you look at this as like a true prequel to the game and not just some like alternate timeline or anything, like if you're looking right, at this yeah. as like a true prequel or anything, there's there's some really cool moments because you'll get to parts where, uh, very minor spoiler again here, so jump ahead 10 seconds, but uh, where you start uh, seeing some of the monsters that are working for Sorrow at the time of DQ4 and mm-hmm. uh, like and they join your party for the first time and stuff and you get to see that all happen in uh, this game yeah. and so there's stuff like that that's just really that's really neat and really cool to see and uh, and then once once the story like gets going i mean it's still set up in the same way where you go through areas and you fight a boss and then your reputation grows and then you're able to mm-hmm. uh, to go scout monsters more easily like there's still that gameplay loop um, but the stuff that's happening with the story and with, with sorrow, with the chosen, with the Zenithian dragon, which I don't think counts as a spoiler. Cause that's in the first like 30 seconds of the game. <laughs> There's all those kinds of things that start playing out a lot more later on in the story. And it's all just so, so good. 
And so, like, one of the things that I like about it is going into the conceit from that you get from the very beginning in the opening cutscenes is that the reason Sorrow is doing this, like, you have this uh, this character who is very powerful, even from a young age, and he's going through to be this, like, monster wrangler. He's going through to, like, work with monsters and go through these tournaments. And I, th- I love the conceit that it's because he can't control, he can't hurt monsters. That he's been cursed, that he can't hurt monsters, but there's this loophole that lets him have tell other monsters to go beat up other monsters. And I, for some reason, find this hilarious, that it's like he can't draw a sword and actually hurt any of them, but he just has this posse with him to go and just just completely gank anybody who uh, who gets in his way and for some reason every time like I, I think about that in there it's like he'll pull out his sword and like threaten somebody or threaten a human or a different kind of uh, of person who's not considered a monster and it's just like but he has to go get that drackey to beat up this dragon for him it, it's I don't know why I love that conceit throughout it and I can't remember and this is one of the things I wanted to ask you, and I can't remember because it's been a long time since I played 4. Was that something that was ever brought up in 4 that it was like uh, he was he didn't hurt monsters at all? Um, like, obviously, he, had, he was the bad guy. He was working with them. He wasn't going to, but I couldn't remember if it ever actually mentioned that he was uh, cursed to do that. No, I don't think so. I mean, they call him... What the prince of monsters, sorrow, the prince of monsters. prince of monsters and stuff like that. Yeah, and yeah. he has all the monsters working for him, and he like commands them and stuff. But no, I don't remember in Dragon Quest Four it ever being like he can't attack them or whatever. No, I don't think that's. Yeah, think it's that's like anything. he he's doing this because he he controls them, but he can't harm them. I don't know. It was just for some reason that that part of it I just love. It's weird, and I love the kinds of uh, jumps in logic and video game logic for some of these monsters games to uh, to happen. Uh, it's kind of like the, uh, I mean, even in the original Terry's Wonderland and stuff like that. That's right. That's right. Right. I'm not mixing up different games. Terry's Wonderland. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, where he has to get back, but the only way that you can get back is by becoming a monster master and going through all of these tournaments. It's uh, it always just that that one. It's kind of like the uh, the only way you can do this thing in Pokemon games is by becoming the grand champion. And it's uh, you know speaking of that too, it's where they're they're paper thin in the kind of logic there. This has a lot more of an actual story than Pokemon games do. Like people complaining about this being a paper thin story. I know. Uh, I, know. I wonder if they've ever actually paid attention to what Pokemon games have as RPG stories. Because I love Pokemon games, and I always have fun when I'm going through it, but uh, they're not deep RPGs. They're they're pretty similar, and you're trying to go through gyms and get badges. Uh, I mean, they've advanced a little bit beyond that and gone around it a little bit with, uh, you know, Ultra Sun was one specifically that, that went out of the... the tried and true way of doing it, but still kind of worked around the, the, the core tenet of progressing through and having to get these items and move on. But it's like, this has a narrative through it that isn't necessarily there in other monster hunting games. Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, we talked about, we talked about monster, uh, wranglers 
we did an episode on that, and I was talking about Yokai Watch being really good, like and right. uh, and Monster Hunter Stories too. Um, being that was the one I was actually solid. about to bring up is like that's very very story oriented. Yeah, and so I think that. Like I, I don't know. Again, I don't know if it's people who just didn't haven't played the whole game. They've only checked out like the first few like lower echelon levels and are like, "There's no story here." Because I mean, you do have to. Uh, the game at first is very much you focused on just unlocking things. Like you have to. I mean, it's like any video game. You spend like the first chunk of the experience just unlocking stuff. Right. Like I don't know. I feel like the story's pretty sound too. Something. Okay. This may you may have not gotten far enough i don't know so if you haven't that's fine but have, have you found have you found oh, yeah, have you found eggs yet in the overworld any eggs no no because like i i feel bad about recording this and not having gotten any further but i'm like i want to synthesize all of these guys and get these gold background monsters and uh so yeah no i've not seen uh any gold ones yet um yeah so they're they're or not gold ones eggs. any eggs yet i'm sorry yeah eggs there, I don't know if it's an automatic part of the game or like if it or what, but um, like if they only show up at a certain point or what. But yeah, you can find eggs. Um, the first one I found, I was just running around in an area. I think it's people listening who've played the game are going to know what I'm talking about here, but it's like the junkyard area on the, I think it's a lower echelon. It might be a middle echelon, but anyway. Okay. It's like a junkyard area. And I saw an egg, and I was like, huh, what is that thing? And I went over there to inspect it, and, like, the yellow writing, you know, when it gives you tutorials popped up, Mm -hmm. and it was like, you found an egg. You can find eggs in the wild. And I was like, what? And then since then, since then, I found quite a few eggs, so I don't know if it's I'm having good luck or if it's that there were other eggs and I just had never noticed it before until I found this first one or what. But I've been finding – that's been a – big fun part for me is finding eggs and i would say that probably i'd say maybe 50 percent of the time maybe a third of the time like whatever's in the egg is super super good and then other times you open the egg and it's like a monster you already caught or a monster that you caught but this one is just slightly better and has some better stats or is like Mm. a higher rank sometimes you can find some really really good ones i found like my the first one I got was, I can't remember the name of it, but it looks like, you know, Zenlon, the dragon? Mm-hmm. It looked like Zenlon, yeah. but uh, it was like a yellow-orange dragon instead. Cool, yeah. It was like a large monster, which was cool, even though I I don't like large monsters very much because they take up two slots in my party, and I know that they get to use... I, I know that they use, like, multiple turns and that they're really powerful, but... I'm still, I think I'm like quantity over quality kind of person because it really irks me to keep a, keep a two slaughter in my party for very long. That, that, that was something I wanted to ask you about. And part of the thing that has got me monster hunting uh, through this more than actually progressing is that I see all kinds of different sizes of monsters on the overworld. Like there are some really bitty bitty versions of them and there's some really, really big versions. Yeah. I have yet to figure out if there is a mechanical difference in these. I don't think there are, but man, I love getting these gigantic slimes and keeping them in my party. Like I have a she slime in my party right now. That's bigger than uh, like the food dogs and uh, everything like it's huge, but it only takes up one slot. So I'm curious, like, 
I didn't realize this was a thing. I never, I've not seen any of the yellow text or anything describing what if there's any difference to this or if it's just something that's in there for people like me who are like, oh my god, I have to have a giant or itty bitty version of this because I got like a super tiny lips the first time and was like, oh my god, that thing's a foot tall. I don't know that it has any bearing on the actual monster itself. I mean, each monster has like its unique characteristics that you can look at in the menu yeah. where like. Uh, where like it unlocks different stuff at certain points. Like I'm a big fan of the mm-hmm. monsters that get like auto restora at like level 20. Cause then they just yeah. heal themselves. So you can look at that stuff and like the, and then also how fast they learn and level up and everything mm-hmm. are factors too. Um, but yeah, I was, this, I think it's just purely for luck. Cause I was the same way I had uh, went last week when I mentioned my tiny little, lumbering lizard about how he was so tiny yeah yeah that's what happened is i whenever i synthesized him i synthesized small monsters and so he turned out small oh and then and then meanwhile i had these two giant uh slimes that were in my party so like i had i think it was a cure slime and then maybe a hmm what was it i can't remember but anyway there was definitely another slime in my party at the time and like they're massive, and then you just have this teeny little lumbering lizard that was there in my party at the time, and so, um, like, and then for a good chunk of my for a good chunk of my playthrough in the like early middle echelons, uh, I had mm-hmm. a dark slime and a king dark slime. Oh, nice! Those are so cool looking. Yeah, it, yeah, it's one of my favorites too. And but anyway, the standard dark slime because of the way I'd synthesized them, the standard dark slime was like massive, and then the king, yeah. the king was itty bitty. His little king. <laughs> I'm just picturing it. Like it made me giggle thinking about this itty bitty little king slime. I found some very very tiny monsters in the overworld, and then I've also seen some really really big ones. Yeah. Right now, what I'm trying to do because you can actually unlock unique monsters. Yeah. So I've been trying harder to unlock some uh, more unique monsters, and some of them are a little bit complicated, but I guess my advice for you or anybody listening is, like, don't stress out too much about it for a long time, because if you wait until closer toward the end, with a lot of the monsters that you need, like, instead of having to go through, like, three synthesis, Mm -hmm. you know, babies... You can just find that like third generation monster out in the wild and then breed it. And so you can right, get to that yeah. unique monster a lot easier. Don't get me wrong. Like I was like you, I was spending so much of my time just synthesizing monsters and having so much fun with it. But then because I was reviewing the game at a certain point, I was like, okay, Austin, you need to pick up your feet a little bit. <laughs> like, like you're spending right. a little too much time synthesizing. But also after I started concentrating more on the story and not worrying about synthesizing so much, I realized just how how good the game is about giving you it gives you monsters like like around the time you start needing like rank c monsters like the story gives you a Mm -hmm. rank c monster and there's just there's things like that that it's like that even if you don't spend a lot of time with synthesis between just leveling up the monsters in your party naturally and getting some through the story like it just it's there and so which is something i like about it because the synthesis in this game is very deep but I also feel like if you don't, I'm sure you couldn't ignore synthesis completely, but I also feel like if you were not like us and didn't want to spend hours synthesizing, that you could still get through the game and have fun with it, even if you don't like synthesis. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm really glad that it's not a synthesis-only thing. Because that's one of my biggest irritations on, like, crafting games, like farm sims and life sims, is that sometimes there's no way to get the more advanced things that you need to craft other than going through the entire path to, to you know, create the first version, then you upgrade it, you upgrade it, then you upgrade it, and then you finally have the one you need instead of just being able to get the one you need or directly go to it in some way. So it's really good that the that the game eventually gives you the the third tier, third generation uh, kind of monsters that you need to get the stuff that you'll actually want. Mm-hmm. So now that you've played it quite a bit, do you have any new favorite monsters that have been in your party? Uh, what? Uh, yes, the... Uh, Oh, I'm going to have to look at its name up. I can't remember because I named it something stupid. Uh, <laughs> the it, it's the it's the demon monster with the hood and looks like a Jawa that's been uh, tied to like a cross that's floating on a hunk of land. Oh yeah, like it the depi- the earth, the like hellish hellion or something. There's a few, yeah. There's a couple of variants in the game. It's like hell something. Yeah, I know like, what you're talking. I about. love it, and I. I don't know why I love it so much. Because it, it looks but cool. I really, really do. It looks so cool. And like I've really enjoyed having that one. And really, any of the slimes, any of the slimes that I see, I've got one that's called a slick slime right now that was a higher uh, rank than my others. And it came out with a golden thing and was shiny and everything. So it was a high quality, you know, powerful one. And it was brown, and I named it a poo slime. <laughs> and so I just, I just like it that like its name is poo slime. <laughs> and so of course I'm keeping it in my party until I absolutely have to get rid of it. But yeah, that's uh, that's where I'm at in it. But yeah, I, I like the ones that look monstrous. Like I'm really enjoying uh, getting out of the cute monsters, and for the time being, being able to synthesize uh, all of the all the monsters that look cool, like the, the monstrous ones. And I also really like that. I found like in Pokemon games where they want to trade monsters that people who want to uh, synthesize with you, that you give them this and then it'll synthesize whatever monster comes from it. Uh, And I really like going around talking to NPCs anyway. So having that just kind of pop up that I didn't know was a thing in this game made me made me happy it's like do you have a lips and i'm like yes let's breed our monsters and uh, i liked that too but yeah in terms of the the monsters that i have that i like the most i like my poo slime yeah that's good i i, I really like the the hell whatever hooded monster i really like the design yeah. on that one i can't remember the first dq game that had that one was it nine it may have been was it was a it? later one because i don't remember or maybe part of me feels like it was before that, but either way, the first Dragon Quest game I played that had that one, I remember thinking like, "Ooh, I like this! Like, it looks a lot darker than other DQ monster designs. Like, uh huh." But it looks cool, and whenever I saw it in this game, I was like, "That's fun." And then I had I've been a little disappointed. Um, this is probably around where you're at, so that's why I want to talk about in this episode. Two probably disappointments that I had was with the Sham Hat Witch because I love those monsters. Uh-huh. And I got one um, whenever they start showing up a lot in the overworld. 
I went ahead right. and, and scouted one immediately and put it in my party, and I felt like it just did not live up to the monsters that I had in my party. And so I Aww. sent it away, which made me sad. Um, and then the other one was the, the Goonash Goody, the little the little chocolate <laughs> slime that hides in the like croissant roll. Uh-huh. Like, I love that. Whenever they announced that one, I was like, oh, this looks awesome. I can't wait to get one of these. Whenever they first appear, the area in which they first appear, like, at that point in the game, I was still like, oh, I'm going to have, like, an all-slime team because there's so many cool variations mm-hmm. of slimes. And I got that one, and I was let down by that one, too. And I think the problem is that so many of the slime enemies have a lot of the same um, traits. Yeah. By the time I'd gotten to that one, it was like, okay, what can you offer me? And I'm looking at, like, it's Slimer skills, and I'm like, oh, cool, you can cast Heal. That's nice and all, but my Cure Slime can cast Kazing right now. Like, why do I need why do I need yeah. this little, this sad little one? And so there's definitely some times where I feel like because I spent so much time synthesizing and doing things that I, it made me miss out on the monsters that I had been really looking forward to and that I ended up never using oh, them. Oh, yeah. I could see that. And I had that problem for a while, but then there would also be some monsters that like I got early on that I was just like, man, like you have no right to be as powerful as you are. And even though like there was one monster that was a rank G, a rank G monster. Okay. That's like the lowest rank you can possibly catch in the game. And I'd synthesized him early on in the game. He was a slime. I can't remember what it's called, but he's like a green slime and he has like a, like blonde hair. Almost like a mullet. The feral slime? Is that it? Maybe. I think that's feral slime. For whatever whatever reason, his traits and everything were, like, so good. And he was, like, one-hit-killing, like, rank-C monsters with Hatchet Man. Like, I mean, it was just, like, unbelievable. Wow. Like, I kept him in my party for... I feel like I can confidently say for over 50% of the game, because even though he was this dinky little rank G monster, it was just like nothing I could synthesize came close. And by that point, by leaving him in my party, he was like leveled up so high that he was just like stupidly good. And it was just, it was just really surprising because you don't think about keeping a rank G monster in your party for like the entire playthrough. But, um, but I kept him around for like a really long time and I didn't even like he was it was like one of my least favorite slime designs too and but he was just so good I just kept him there and he was really hard to kill and he could hit very powerfully and I just yeah. like I I really liked him a whole lot I'm going to have to synthesize one of those then cuz I haven't done it yet uh it was one that I kept seeing other monsters that were more powerful but apparently I didn't uh so I'll have to to give him a shot. And um, so that actually reminds me of the other thing I was going to ask you, because I think I'm stupid. Okay. And <laughs> I may not be. Okay. Okay. I'm either stupid and can't figure it out, or there's not another way to do this. So I want to just be out in the field and remove monsters from my party and be able to add them in from the paddock. There's no way to do that, right? I have to go to the paddock to be able to remove monsters from my party and not just move around the eight that I have in reserves, right? Well, you don't have to go all the way back to the paddock. You can go down to the basement at Rose Hill Tower and where, yeah. next to where you synthesize, and there's that guy there, uh-huh. um, and he, he trades them out for Oh, you. he does it too? Yeah. Oh, that's going to be much easier because that's been one of my big like irritations while I've done this is I want to use the talent points they come with because they can carry over to the next generation. 
Um, so if I catch something and it goes immediately to the paddock, I've had to go back to the paddock, empty out my party, fill it up with other monsters, and then, you know, use their talents and then synthesize. Uh, and so it requires more loading and moving back and forth between areas. But I did not realize, like I said, I'm stupid and didn't realize that the NPC beside the uh, synthesis guy uh, actually let me move monsters in and out of my party. Yeah, whenever whenever that so, cool. whenever that old guy shows up at the basement of Rose Hill Tower and is like, you can synthesize here. Yeah. During that same cutscene, the chubbier guy like shows up and he's like, hey, you can talk to me if you want to. don't want to go back to the paddock. <laughs> There's like a whole cutscene. Um, I... I'm uh, illegitimate. I can't read or write. Um, so uh, apparently I really can't. Apparently I did not even see that one at all. So yay, I'm going to have a much easier time tonight. Yeah, because they're just, they're, they're, side, <laughs> they're side by side. So it makes it really easy. Um, yeah. My only com- I know which NPC you're talking about. Yeah, like my only complaint with that, I'm like, this could have all just been part of the same NPC in the same menu. Yeah, it could have. There's a few things in Dragon Quest Monsters of the Dark Prince that I feel that way about, though. Like, having to zoom to Rose Hill Tower and then use the travel light to get back to certain worlds instead of just zooming all over. I'm like, do I really have to go to Rose Hill Tower, touch this travel light, do all this, then run back out of Rose Hill Tower again? Like, couldn't I just... Yeah. Like, there's some different things like that where I'm like, I wish it had been a little bit more streamlined. But, and, and you know, I felt that way about Treasures, too, and... Um, it's a very minor complaint overall, but, but that's one of them where they're side by side, which is convenient. Um, but I'm also just like, could you just not like, could the paddock and synthesis stuff just not be all together here? And then I could do it all without having to run between two NPCs, but whatever. It's an RPG. You got to have those NPCs and shops and that do things for you. Yeah. You know, I've, I've come across. Uh, no need at this point to uh, come across absolutely no need to use the NPC shops and use the items. I think I'm just too early for it to matter. You are, yeah. Uh, but but I, I'm sure I will. But man, it is uh, kind of obnoxious how little I need anything else other than just running around and collecting stuff. Yeah, that's going to change. For me, I think the first time I had to use an item was there is, I don't want to get too spoilery here and I know we're out of time, yeah. but um, there was a, uh, there's a boss in one of the middle echelons that casts stun and poison on your entire party. Pretty much every time it has a turn, it has multiple turns in a row. I, I had to use items quite a bit in that fight because i would need to throw a panacea over on my healer um to keep it unstunned mm-hmm. and stuff yeah. or because i needed it to cast squelch and remove poison or um like i need it to cast squelch so i would throw um a healing herb of some kind um on the, oh, the weak yeah, monster yeah. and stuff because i needed to use i didn't i couldn't use mid heal with it because i needed to have it i needed to use squelch with it to remove the poison so there's definitely um, that's like a very specific moment that I remember where I was like, oh, I am going to have to use items in this game. <laughs> mm. It does take a while, but yeah, it gets much harder and you're going to need much more strategizing very soon, for sure. I'm actually glad about that because if there was one major complaint that I've had, major complaint, uh, one major complaint that I've had in this game, it's that the battles are super easy at the beginning. 
that you really can turn on auto battle for the most part and not worry about anything. Uh, you can just level up over and over again unless you're going against one of the giant monsters out in the field and not have any any fear of dying whatsoever. I think the difficulty curve on it is pretty solid in terms of that it starts out easy and kind of nurses you into showing you the ropes of how everything works and then the training wheels come mm-hmm. off and once they come off, I mean, it's you're going to wreck your bike a few times. <laughs> Also, uh, you know, in closing, we are out of time. So I figured that one thing that I would say uh, that I have kept up with Dragon Quest tradition uh, as I've played this, uh, the moment that I saw a green dragon outside, I ran at it and it wrecked me. Um, You cannot kill or scout the green dragon uh, the moment that you see it. And that keeps up with me thinking that the uh, green dragons are always there for me to play with because they're not. They are not. No, they, they wreck you and they ignore monster munchies at that level too. It said that it just ignored the item and then attacked me <laughs> and destroyed me. <laughs> yeah. It was. Right. So I'm really liking this game. Um, uh, it is better than I expected it to be just overall. It has more of a story. Uh, I was more hesitant about that than just about anything because of how uh, the Joker games had been for you uh, falling off and how Treasures, uh, the story and everything, just did not resonate with me in that one, unfortunately. But this one, I'm very engaged in. I really like, and I can't wait to actually beat this one. Um, And hopefully it will give me a bit of uh, the same vibe that Malroth did in Builders 2, where I connect to Sorrow that much. Also, it wasn't until this game uh, that I realized that PSARO, Sorrow, said it out loud a bunch, um, is a uh, homonym for Sorrow, S-O-R-R-O-W. Yes. And because he's a bad guy. Congratulations. Sorrow. Congratulations, uh, I English just, teacher. I'm, I'm, I'm yesterday years old uh, until I figured that out. Um, just thought, thought I'd let everybody out there know that, uh, that my brain... It doesn't pick up on things. I like to think I'm a very intelligent man. Didn't get it <laughs> until just yesterday. <laughs> Thank you guys for listening to this week's episode. Remember, you can talk to us uh, on Twitter at DragonQuestFM, and we have a Patreon page at patreon.com slash DragonQuestFM. If you want to talk to me individually, you can find me on Twitter and Blue Sky at DragonQuestin. And I'm on Twitter and threads at Professor Beach, probably Instagram too. I think that's how it works. Um, I'm trying to be on Mastodon at dice.camp. So it's a uh, beach at dice.camp on there. And, uh, we have a Patreon at patreon.com slash dragon quest FM. If you would like to support the podcast and tell us what to talk about. Uh, thanks for listening and we will see you next week. Bye. Bye everybody.